Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Okay, isn't our memory staggering? Isn't it incredible what we can remember? Isn't it incredible when you have a memory that good, what you chose to remember was the IKEA catalogue? Um, now, some of you might be thinking, well, my memory isn't quite as good. Hands up, mums or maybe dads. My mum is classic for this. If you often forget your children's names, so you go to ask them to get something out of the cupboard and you go through every name in the whole family. And my mum will call me Tom, Joe, Dan, Jem, and before she actually gets to my name. Uh, anyone else ever go into the kitchen and then you stand there gazing in the fridge for about five minutes and then you're thinking, why on earth did I come into the kitchen? Um, or anyone drive and you've got somewhere, having driven for maybe half an hour, maybe a few hours and then think, this is quite scary, but I can't remember the last half an hour of me driving this lethal weapon. <laughs> Anybody? Okay, so our memories are incredible, but potentially there's a few flaws in there somewhere. Uh, now, what we want to point to today is how can we remember well? And what does it mean to use our memories to really remember well and make the most of that? So we want to bring a few of those things. Um, life is full of paradoxes. And uh, I don't know if you remember Ant saying last week, when we go to cross a road, what do we say to look both ways? You look left, you look right. Now, um, I was just talking with Joel earlier about how we live in the moment, don't we? And it's important to live in this moment but kind of we kind of have an eye on the future as well and we also kind of have an eye on the past and I know when they talked about ancient Hebrew people they talked about how they tended to face not the future but they tended to face the past and so they felt like they were navigating backwards kind of moonwalking that's what the Jewish people do um, so they were saying that actually you you are facing everything that's happened to you and that is the stuff that we learn from isn't it we don't usually learn from the future because it hasn't happened yet. We learn from the past. And there are loads of lessons that we can learn from the past. And that will help us progress and grow and become, I guess, more developed as a society. Now, last week was Remembrance Sunday. I don't know if you saw anything else going on around Remembrance. We had a beautiful thing out the front that Chris had made with all the little poppies on. There's all kinds of things going on at that time of year. So we talked about how important Remembrance is in helping us as we go forward. Uh, and remember we talked about the movie The Notebook, I don't know if you remember that, and there was a lady who had Alzheimer's, so her husband would read the story of her life that she had forgotten. And we were saying that as a culture it's easy for us to forget the past, and that the danger of forgetting what has been before us is that we become this senile society, and we lose our, do you remember what the word was? We lose our bearings. Now, has anyone lost their bearings recently? I went to Weatherby on Tuesday night and uh, took the ring road at rush hour, which was a bad mistake. Uh, and I hit the ring road and I thought, do you know what, there's, there's got to be a better way of getting to Weatherby than following what my sat-nav is taking me. So I'll take this road and I'm sure I can hop across and figure out as we get there. Anyway, 10 minutes after trying to navigate these little windy lanes, I had lost my bearings. I didn't know which way was forwards. I didn't know where Weatherby was anymore. I didn't know what was backwards. Now, I wonder if that kind of 
preaches for us in society, that actually if we don't have any recollection of our story and our history, that it's easy for us not really to know which way is up, which way is down. We don't really know what going backwards looks like, and we definitely don't know what progress looks like if we don't have a story behind us. So remembrance is important. Um, okay, I've done my bearings. I, I did get there in the end, by the way, but I had to go back to a place where I knew worked. And I think that's it. In life, Anth was talking about um, the Israelites, they went through a river and they grabbed a rock as they went through because they wanted to build a monument. Because sometimes in life, you need those places when everything seems chaotic to, to think, I know at that point in my life, that meant something. I knew where I was when I was at that point. And I think sometimes in life we need, and maybe that's why in society we have even things like marriage or anniversaries and things like that, because it's a moment sometimes to stop and go, this meant something at some point in time. And sometimes to be able to remember that and just stop and think, I made a decision at that point in time. Something was really important. Maybe I need to still hold on to that. Okay, now, I was flicking through Instagram this week, and I follow a guy called Corey Henry. Some of you know Corey Henry. He's the guy on the right. He's an amazing uh, keyboard player. Uh, and he's quite an innovative keyboard player. And does anyone know who the guy next to him is? You might be able to figure it out if you have a look. Quincy Jones. Hands up if you know who Quincy Jones is. If you know Michael Jackson, then you've heard Quincy Jones. He, he produced a load of Michael Jackson stuff. And he also produced a load of Frank Sinatra's stuff, if you want to go back a little bit further. So he's this incredible brain of music. Now, what, what I thought he said was really interesting. He said, you can't change the game until you know the game to the future. You can't change the game until you know the game. And I guess you look at any incredible creative people. They don't usually just come out of nowhere having never studied anything and come up with incredible ideas. They've often studied, whether it's dance, they know the history of dance, the styles, they've got this foundation that they've built on. And I thought that was really inspiring as far as if you want to really develop something new, maybe you need to build on something. And it made me think of Wednesday nights. So in IQ over the last few years, we have been looking back at the history of how our heritage has Christian people, as churches, has developed. And it's hard to be innovative and go forward if you don't know where you've come from. And we finished with the song last week, uh, I Know Where I'm Going, because I know where I've been. Uh, and sometimes those historical things are going through, so why did we believe this and why did we believe that, can feel a bit lethargic, like, oh, I've got to go through all the history. But actually, if we understand that, then we can actually know why we want to innovate things going forward. Okay. Uh, so we're going to watch a clip now from Harry Potter. Any Harry Potter fans in? Some of us love it, some of us not so much. Now, I thought it was really interesting. We went home last week having talked about remembrance for the whole night. And I don't know if anybody's been watching them when you get home after church, but they've been on ITV kind of, I don't know, I think for the last five weeks or something because they've shown each movie. Anyway, I got home, flicked it on, and it was Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Um, and this scene jumped out because it was Harry Potter and Dumbledore. If you don't know who Dumbledore is, he is the headmaster of Hogwarts, which is this little wizards and witches school. And they are trying to get to the bottom of how to defeat their nemesis, the evil Lord Voldemort. Okay. Now, Voldemort wasn't always evil. He was once a little boy called Tom Riddle. So they have managed to get this little memory from somebody that's got Tom Riddle on it. They're trying to look back to this thing that happened in the past and say, what can we learn from that that's going to help us deal with what we need to now? Now, what I thought was staggering was that the person's memory was a little bit flawed. They hadn't quite remembered things right for all sorts of reasons. It might have been shame. And I don't know whether for some of us, 
what maybe stops us learning things from the past is we're like, la, 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 I'm not going there. I don't want to think about that. That was too painful, so I don't want to even go there. It might be something that you're really embarrassed about that you think, I've definitely got some of them. That you think, I don't even want to learn lessons from that. I just want to run a million miles away from it. But I just thought it was really interesting that in this Harry Potter clip, for them to move forward in something and progress, they had to look back, but they actually had to go on a bit of a quest to remember well, and that is what we are going to do tonight. Learn some of the lessons that are going to help us really remember well. That might be collective, it might be individual, but it's going to help us move forward. So enjoy this clip. Good evening. Um, well, as part of our continued explanation of memory, um, we thought it would be worth revisiting some things. And because... I mean, I've been in education for a long time, and one of the things you actually ask children to do is you ask them to revise or revisit what they've done. Because what you understand is that the first time that they've heard it is not necessarily going to register it in the way that will help them to recall it. And you want them to revise it because you want them to be able to perform in an exam so that it can open the next door to their potential future and so revisiting things is something that we do we do for good reasons and we do to learn from it and we do to consolidate it and we do it to move us forward but some of those things as we've just seen in the clip and as Danny's already mentioned are really hard to revisit if you left them <laughs> because you felt like you wanted to leave them behind and I grew up very very happy actually and then what happened was life got sad and what I've realised is some of the things that I used to feel happy about have almost become tainted with a sadness since I've become sad. And some of you, we're all different types, aren't we? All different <laughs> ways of thinking. But some of you, I know, will recognise that for yourself. Now, see, I, I should always stick to my notes because I start to talk and then I lose where I'm going. It's one or the other, isn't it? Um, now, I want to revisit tonight some of the things that are worth revisiting. And I want to encourage some of you tonight to take another look at some of the things you remember to perhaps work out whether um, what you remember has all of the truth within it. Now, of course, things that happen to us are very, very real, but sometimes how we see it has become influenced by things that have happened since, or by taking another look, you see something you didn't see before, because these things do change over time, because it's how we handle life. We have to handle things sometimes, and that means they have to be filed in a certain way, because we have to function, and that's okay, but if they then get locked down like that, we get locked down as people. Now I thought about um, three things, I wanted to be really practical, so I thought about three things that I remembered that have become um, tainted for me from how I used to remember them. Now my childhood was um, really happy and my sister was my absolute hero. She still is actually, but for different reasons. So I have lots and lots of happy memories playing with my sister. She was always there. She was my big sister. She has always been there. But because very, very sad things have happened to her, now when I think back on my childhood, instead of remembering being happy with her, it's tinged with the fact that she's had a lot of sadness since. So all of a sudden, something that was happy is now, ouch, it now it now hurts in a way that it didn't used to. The other thing about secondary school, 
People say schools are the best years of your life. Uh, mine wasn't. <laughs> my secondary school was not the best years of my life. I was this shy, awkward, uncomfortable teenager. So when I look back on school, I think, ooh, I just shudder. I'm not friends with, I'm not even on Facebook particularly, but I'm not friends with anybody on Facebook. The idea of getting in touch with someone who knew from school makes me literally want to hide under this stage because I'm like, oh, who was that? Um, and then the other one was sort of when I went to sixth form, that was great. And then I came to uni and that was great. But then I had a big falling out with the closest people to me at the time. So then that bit all got a bit muddled and that bit's now not happy. And then um, I became a teacher and I loved being a teacher for 20 years. But in the end, I decided I didn't want to be that anymore. But ever since then, I felt somehow like I was really disloyal to this thing I gave my heart to. So I've literally wiped out my all of my history by only pulling out the negatives. And then no wonder we don't feel whole. We've just erased most of our story um, because we've decided what was wrong with it. So I thought, right, well, let me take another little look at some of those things. And so even just just as an exercise this weekend, I thought, right, okay, come on, Jen, look at it again. Take another look at these things that you've allowed to become sad. So I thought about my sister um, and that sadness, and I thought, shit, nobody in this entire world has loved me the way she has loved me for as long as she's loved me my whole life. That has got to be good. That has got to be good. Um, I was very safe at school. I was happy. I had friends. I had the loveliest mum in the world. She's practically a saint this my mother, um, and she just listened to me by the hour and let me find my own path, and, and she was amazing. Um, I met two of my closest friends when I was at uni, who are still my close, two of my closest friends now, who've shared the highs and lows of all of my life, um, and being a teacher gave me so much joy and so much meaning, and has led me to the next job that I'm enjoying, and so many people to love that I wouldn't have been without it. Now, all of those other things were a real part of the experience, but by taking another look, you can either draw out the negatives or you can draw out some of the positives that were equally part of the experience. And it makes it a little bit more multidimensional um, rather than just this one-dimensional thing that we've dismissed because it wasn't quite perfect. Um, so as I you know, prepared for today, I was replaying some of these things. And I also found that even beyond circumstances, there are some threads that can play out in life. I have always been loved. Not necessarily by the same people in the same place at the same time, but I've always had love. I've always belonged somewhere. I've always had people who'll listen. I've always had people who'll work with me and walk with me. I've always had people that would teach me things. And I have always, always had people in my life who make me laugh always. There's never been a time in my life where I've not had people who can make me belly laugh. And all of those things, why, why are we so, why do we forget those things? Um, and I think sometimes it's because we don't take another look. Now, there are some other things that I'll, I'll talk about just before we end that are the, 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 the tough ones that are harder. Um, but I just wanted to share one last thing in this little slot. And that is that um, sometimes as well, we have to take another look because we have to take another look with grown up eyes. When I was 16, my dad, um, well, let me think, when I was 16, my sister left for uni, which of course was heartbreaking for me. My dad um, went and got this massive job. We, used to, we live in Derbyshire, where my mum and dad still do. And he had a job 15 minutes down the road in Matlock, and he went to work in Birmingham. And he was, we bought a microwave. We bought a microwave because dad had to have his microwave teas covered in cling film, and he hated it. I don't know why she put cling film on it. Is that, I don't think you're supposed to, are you? But that's what my mum did. Um, and so all of a sudden we'd gone from in this family of four to my sister wasn't there, my dad wasn't there. So I decided my family weren't that great, my poor mother. So I went and joined with this other family who were very glowy and I thought their life was amazing. Um, and all of a sudden there was this sort of 
change, massive monumental change and a real disconnect between me and my dad. Now, what I realise now is that he moved to Birmingham because my sister had started uni and he had to pay for it. And then two years later, I came and lived in York and the life I had in York, where I met many of you lovely people when I was 18, my dad paid for that and he paid by doing a two and a half hour commute every day that was really awful for him and he was having soggy microwave dinners. I didn't see that when I was 16. When I was 16, I didn't see that. And now I'm the grown-up, who my son is 16, and I'm away overnight, at least once a week, working a massive job because I want to provide for my family. And all of a sudden, sometimes with an adult perspective and, and, and just a, let's look at that again, you start to see some things you didn't fully register at the time. And so that's a little bit what tonight's about because actually there's going to be the beauty and there's going to be the messes. But in it all, there are threads that are running through of greatness in every situation in life if we'll just sometimes take another little look. Um, okay, so I was asked to do Q without you this week. Um, I haven't been up for a while, so I had all sorts, a plethora of Howard stories and all sorts I could have brought, but he doesn't have much of a memory, so I'm not going to talk about him. Um, so yeah, uh, Danny and Jenny mentioned to me what we were going to be talking about and how it was going to be a follow-on. And I instantly thought of an example of something that had happened to me quite recently in conversation with my mum and my brother uh, that was a great example of this. And um, when Danny said at the beginning, we're going to learn how to remember better. I think for me, and um, the point that probably will come from what I say tonight is that actually sometimes it's really important to remember together in order for us to remember better. And so um, I sat with my mum and my brother a few weeks ago and we were talking about various things that we remembered from our child and my brother was moaning that we had rubbish, I'm going to use a better word than he used, rubbish packed lunches growing up. That was his memory. We always had awful, our packed lunches were awful compared to everybody else's. I do not have that memory about our packed lunches at all. And I think it probably was determined by who we were sat next to at lunchtime, because mine looked pretty good compared to the girl next to me. So our packed lunches were fine. Um, but we went to talk about an event that had happened. And as it came up, my brother got quite angry about it. And um, he started talking about what had happened. And we, um, for a little while, my mum and dad renovated a property in the Lake District. And we went up every weekend. And me and my brother were bored. And we would go out and try and not cause trouble in the area because we didn't know anybody. And we made some friends whose house backed onto some woodland that we were messing around in. And we would go every weekend. We would go to their fence of their garden. We'd climb over and we'd go knock on their back door and we'd go and play. Um, and one weekend we arrived and we went through the woods and got there and there was a note on the fence that said, Beth can come over, but Dave, we don't want to speak, we don't want people to be friends with Dave, he can't come and play. Which was, I mean, as an adult, with adult eyes, that is awful. Um, Dave's memory, I'm going to look like such a horrible person. Dave's memory is that we got the note, that he went back, he showed it to my mum, and we went out and we played somewhere else, and it was fine. But my mum didn't stick up for him, and he is cross about it. To this day, he is mad. My mum's memory is a little bit different. Her memory of the event is that we went out, and um, then Dave came back with the note crying, and was incredibly upset about the whole, the whole event. But I had gone to play with the people over the fence. <laughs> right, I'm just going to say I was 10. And I know I should have known better at 10. And I, yes, I do look like a bit of a horrible person. Um, but anyway, I went because I like having friends. So I, off I went and left my brother, poor brother behind. Um, and I went to play. And um, my mum then says that she came round to the house. She made an excuse why I couldn't play anymore, removed me from the situation because it wasn't okay for me to play with them and Dave not, and took me home. 
To which Dave's still saying, but that's still awful because you didn't stick up for me. You just removed Beth from the situation. She's awful because she didn't want to be my friend. She wanted to be their friend. Oh, he's quite dramatic. And anyway, so all of that happened. But my memory is a little bit different. Again, on top of that, see, I remember us finding the note. I remember saying to Dave, I'm going to go and find out what this note's about, which I don't know how true that was, but that's what I said. And, um, and he went home. Um, I, I am a nine. Um, he went home. I, uh, I climbed over the fence. I went to play with him. And my mum came flying through this other family's door. Like, she's only small. And my memory is that she came flying through and really laid it out for this woman who was there about her children and how disgusting it was that they would leave a note like that on the fence. And she was taking me back and I wouldn't be playing with them until they'd apologised to my brother. Now, that is my memory. And when Dave heard that, suddenly he was like... Well, I, I, I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that actually happened. And I said, well, I was there. That, that is what happened. My mum doesn't... Re she remembers going to the house, but she doesn't really remember what she says. She was definitely, like, pretty kick-ass that night. And she isn't normally like that. But she really did go to town on them. And suddenly, the conversation opened up that actually, maybe he hadn't remembered it right all these years. And actually, maybe... And it had added on to some other stuff that had happened recently that he hadn't seen, that he thought nobody had stuck up for him, nobody had done this. And he then started to question other memories he had because we were able to share that one together now during this week I um I was I went to work and I was sat I was working in a prison at the moment and I sat on this unit I went on I missed the briefing which is classic of me I've been to quite a few of them but I, I was running late as usual and um <laughs> as tonight uh, and I missed the briefing at the middle and I went straight up to the unit that I was going to be working on and I went on and all the boys are still behind their doors and I'm thinking this is a bit weird like they're normally out by now I'm meant to be cooking muffins with this boy and I can't get him out of his cell and um, anyway I went up and I started chatting to this other boy and there's this like big security panel over this cell next to the boy that I'm talking to and there's a lad in there and he's smashed his observation glass and he's throwing stuff out and it's all very dramatic on there as well and um, suddenly because I missed the briefing, I didn't see this coming. Um, everybody comes on, all the staff come onto the unit in riot gear. And I'm like standing next to this cell, like, I don't think I should be here. <laughs> like, this, I'm not wearing the appropriate clothing for this event. So I like went and hid in this office, which they then locked me in. And weirdly, in prisons, there's no locks on the inside of doors. So like, I got locked in this office where I could see everything that was happening, but I couldn't hear anything. The boy that I had been talking to could see nothing but he could hear everything that was going on. And the boy that, was, that they were going in for to do this planned move that I'd missed the plan for, um, they, they went in and they removed him physically and he has no recollection of anything that was said or done, just the pain that he felt in the moment of being moved and how he'd fought that. And I met later with each of those boys individually and what was really interesting was they each had a very different memory of the event and, and so did I. And when talking to the officers later, actually, they had a different memory as well. And so there was four memories of the same event, the same thing that had happened, that each from each individual's perspective had been taken completely differently. And the, the officers were saying, Do you know, well, what will change his behaviour? And I said, I think he can only really learn from that memory if we can incorporate these other memories that went on in the moment and, and bring it all together. And the most life-changing thing for me, probably recently, in the last couple of years, has been Chris talking on a Wednesday night. Danny's already mentioned IQ. I'm going to mention it again. I'm not often here anymore because I've got a baby, but I do watch. And, um, but Chris uh, talked a few years ago about the Old Testament. She did some talk on the Old Testament and how actually it was written by different groups of people who all believed in the same God, but from a very, had a very different version of that God. And actually, we can only really understand what they understood by bringing all of those things together and saying, okay, hang on a minute. Maybe this God is bigger than we thought he was. Maybe 
maybe this whole thing is way bigger than we've ever put it down to being. And I know that my memories serve me fairly well, but actually it's so much better when I bring in the other perspectives, when I look at what's gone on and say, do you know what? There's probably more to this story than I ever anticipated. It widens my memory. It widens my understanding of my memory. And actually it creates a better opportunity for me to learn. So I'm going to leave that with you there. Okay, I love that movie, and um, th I think there's so much we can learn from it about memories, because I guess you picked up the, the glass balls were memories that were being created, and they were different kinds of memories. So your yellow ones were your happy ones, your red ones were your angry memories, the yellow ones were fearful ones, the green ones were disgusting ones, and which one have I missed? Blue, or the sad, sad memories. Now, I think what I find brilliant about that is, within that mind, they all kind of worked together. Now, I don't know about you, but I think we each have a tendency towards maybe one of them. Some, some of you, <laughs> it's interesting in that movie how which person is in control in each person's brain. So in some people, anger is at the head of the pressing all the buttons. And other people, joy is at the head of pressing all the buttons. In other people, sadness rules the roost in the brain. Now, I think I grew up in an environment where I was encouraged to be so positive about everything that sometimes... I maybe didn't let sadness or anger or disgust uh, get near the console ever. Um, and I think what we learned, especially when we did this in Life Zone, was that sadness is important sometimes. And there are moments where it's important to let sadness press some of the buttons so you can really express what's going on. Um, we had Barbara's uh, celebration, her funeral this last week, and to have just been happy throughout the whole thing might have felt like something was missing that might not have felt like a whole experience or an expression of what being human is because sometimes we need to get angry sometimes we need to be disgusted by things sometimes we need to allow certain memories to be certain things um what i found interesting as well we have all these different kinds of perspectives on things that have happened in our life but it doesn't mean that the thing never happened um, and I've got a little poem to read you now. Uh, I'm going to read a poem. Uh, and it's about an elephant. Now, uh, one of the things that came up when we were watching all this stuff, the content through on Thursday, was that we said, oh, we've got to be really careful that we don't say, your memories are irrelevant. You just, like, it's just your point of view. Now, it's important, I think, that we get lots of different voices going on so that if I... I've seen things a bit wonky, someone else might be able to go, well, do you know what, maybe there's a different way of seeing that, because I think that's part of remembering well. So I've got a poem to add to this. Here we go. This is called The Blind Man and the Elephant. We have a little picture to go with it. It was six men of Indostan to learning much inclined who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second, feeling of the tusk, cried, Ho, oh, what have we here? So very round and sharp and smooth, to me it is mighty clear. This wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal, and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly spoke up and spake. That's a nice old word. I see, said he, the elephant is very like a snake. Very good. <laughs> the fourth reached out an eager hand and felt about the knee. 
What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, said he. It is clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. Yes, very good. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said even the blindest man can tell what this resembles. Deny the fact. Who can? This marvel of an elephant is very like a... <laughs> Bingo! A fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than squeezing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, said he, the elephant is very like a rope. And so these men of Indistan disputed loud and long, and each in his opinion exceeded stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right, and all were in the wrong. So there was an elephant. The elephant was there, but they each saw a different side of it. Now, I think this is really helpful, and maybe in ways we might not have considered, maybe when we talk about God and the divine and this mystery of what the universe and the world is, we have each come at it from a different angle. We all have different experiences. We all have different memories of what has happened in our lives. We were just talking earlier about politics. If you hadn't noticed, we have a general election coming up, and we will each have a perspective on what we want to vote. Um, I remember, where's Devo? It is. Uh, when we went to India six years ago, can you believe it? Um, we obviously had a lot of time sat together on the plane, and we got on to talking about politics. Now, I grew up in a very conservative area. I went to grammar school, so my upbringing has been massively conservative. Steve was the polar opposite, a totally different upbringing, and it was fascinating to see that my perspective has come from my memories and my upbringing, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily the whole picture. It's part of the picture. And I wonder, as we approach this season of election, whether a mature way of remembering and approaching that is to be able to have a mature and open discussion and say, well, I might be seeing this. I might not be seeing the whole picture. And part of maybe remembering well as you move forward is going, well, what do you think? And then actually listening, do you know what I mean? Rather than just being convinced of our own perspective. Okay. Okay, so this time... Last year, we had two girls staying with us. I think there's a picture of them here. Um, and one on the left was from Germany, and the one on the right was from Japan. And it really struck me this week how interesting it was that around the time of Remembrance Sunday, we had a Japanese girl and a German girl staying with us. And uh, obviously, when they think about Remembrance Sunday, the World War, they are going to have really different perspectives on the elephant of the war. Um, now... That doesn't mean the war didn't happen. It doesn't mean that my perspective of the war is wrong. But maybe there's more that we can learn when we each listen out to the other person's perspective and get their thoughts on it all. Um, okay, back to uh, Inside Out because we're going to watch another scene from it now. Um, I mentioned Barbara's funeral that we had this last week. And Chris told a story about Barbara get, uh, pushing someone into the river. There was a drunk person who had pushed... Chris's dad, it was, into the river. Uh, and so Barbara steps up and says, well, you're not going to treat my pastor like that, and pushes this drunk guy in the river. Um, now, I thought it was really interesting how that memory that we had maybe a month ago when Chris told that story was just happy. It was really funny. Now, when we think of that story now, because circumstances maybe have changed, it's a happy memory, but it's also kind of a sad memory at the same time. And I find what's fascinating about this Inside Out movie is that the memories, as Riley matures and grows up, she starts to remember differently. Some of her memories become happy, angry memories. Some of them become sad, disgusting memories. And maybe part of us remembering well is becoming more than 
one-dimensional in how we remember things because life is complex sometimes. Sometimes the way we remember things is allowing ourselves to say, well, that actually made me really angry, but actually maybe I can laugh at it now. So one example I have is uh, my mum, when I was little, she used to discipline me with a wooden spoon. Did anyone else get the wooden spoon? Okay. <laughs> uh, now, uh, I had a conversation with my mum and dad about it a few years ago because we'd had a lot of conversation about here about how we'd grown up, what had formed us the way we had. And, and I was thinking, oh, maybe it was a bit out of order the way that they brought me up. It just, there were some things about it that just didn't feel quite right. Um, so we sat down and we had a conversation about it. Potentially, that could have been a sad or angry memory. But now, it's just become a, a massive laughing point for me and my mum, to the point which I, I actually bought her a wooden spoon with a heart cut out of it when we went on holiday to Poland a few years ago. And it's something that you can actually, it's a little more nuanced and a little more complex because life is, and sometimes we can oversimplify things to just think everything's fine or everything's awful. And maybe part of us having this more nuanced memories and being able to remember well is to say, maybe that can be more than one thing. And sometimes allowing that might actually enable us to heal. And I think talking of healings, if a memory can change like that, if a memory can go from being happy to sad, like Jen was talking earlier, well then maybe it can go the other way. Maybe the things that for you are memories that you think, that is so painful, I don't even want to go there. I believe that we can have healing in those things. That healing might take you through a journey of anger to start with, and then it might take you through to some disgust at that thing. And then it might take you through to sadness, but it might get to a point where you think, do you know what? I can have peace over that whole thing and there can be wholeness around it. So I think the challenge for us today in remembering well, there's a slide that we had uh, just before, I think the Inside Out one, which said, let your voice become part of the sound, which is a line from that beautiful messed up world song we did. Let your voice become part of the sound. Now what struck me with this is I think maybe there's a challenge for two groups of us in here tonight. Maybe for the way that you remember your past is that you need to let your voice become part of that sound of how you remember. Because maybe for you, a lot of your memories have been dictated by external voices. That there's a sound in how you remember things and people have told you, you should always think of things like this or you should always think of things like this. Maybe you need to be a bit more honest about the things that have happened to you so that you can actually deal with those things. But maybe for some of us, we actually have we're quite good at letting our voice become part of the sound. Maybe for us, we need to let our voice become part of the sound. Maybe we need to actually share some things with others and be open enough to say, am I seeing this right? Or is there a, a different way of seeing this so that actually we can embrace the whole of our story and grow through that? So for this afternoon, I hope that we can remember well as we do that collaboratively sometimes. And maybe, like I said, with the politics thing, that might be saying, well, this was my story. Is there another way of seeing this? And what do you think on this? And then we can actually come to a more complex decision on it. Okay, enjoy the clip. Have a good night. Um, one of the things that triggered Riley's um sort of journey was a big change she moved house and I think for all of us times of change are times we have to navigate really carefully because she was trying so hard to get it right she'd moved house she wanted to be really strong for her parents she wanted to get it right but in doing all of that in isolation it the whole thing just became more difficult and every good story if you watch any movie or any good story there's normally a villain and every story you know 
as a, as a baddie and as a villain. And the problem is, is if we don't navigate some of this stuff well, we'll either make the memory a villain that we reject, or we more often than not make ourselves or someone else the villain in our story. And as soon as we have a villain in our story, we have an adversary. And as soon as you have an adversary, you have a, um, you have a disconnect. And as soon as you have a disconnect, you're suddenly in isolation, you're suddenly in conflict, and you're suddenly not whole. So this stuff we think is really important to be able to find a way of being able to have our stories without villains in them, to have things happening um, that are happening and that are real, but to somehow be drawing out of it that sense that somehow or other all is well. Now, how do you do that in the most difficult of times, the most heartbreaking of times? How do you find an all is well? And that is where it boils down to the fact that we believe in an overarching wellness and wonder that exists in the world within human beings as part of a divine experience, something that exists beyond the detail and um, at a level that says, Human beings are incredible. What is inside of one another, is in, each of us is incredible. And there can be that thread that runs through your life that even in the darkest of times, you can find something that says, this is going to be all right and I'm okay, and I don't have to be the villain in my own story, and I don't have to make you the villain in my own story, but can somehow come to peace. Now, we know the reality of that, but we think that's a good that's a good quest. And so if we can encourage you as you leave tonight to make it your quest to remember well this week, to perhaps take another look, revisit some of the things that have been your sticking point, to perhaps like those chickens in Chicken Run last week, to go from your cage and become a free-range chicken. And to do some of that, sometimes you've got to look again at your cage and decide, how am I going to fly over this fence? How am I going to gather the people around me and find a new day? We'd love you to join us on Wednesday because we want to explore this with you a little bit more um, together and share, um, share some um, good stories. And we just hope this week this does you good. Just to end tonight, um, I don't know if any of you watched, um, there was a programme on this week about Ant and Deck, the TV personalities, and they did this DNA and journey to find out their father's line and their mother's line and, and the sort of their DNA, where where they've come from in this wider context of life. Um, and it was fascinating. It was a really good watch, actually, whether you know them or whether you don't. But what I thought was interesting was that, you know, if you followed remotely the media the last two years, um, Ant was a bit of a naughty boy. He made some, some decisions, and their relationship was actually in danger of... Um, breaking down and by but by sharing this journey together they actually um although it wasn't their memories as such because it was their ancestral line there was just something about what they say at the end here that makes you realize yeah there's a reason why aunt made some choices and there's a reason why people respond how they do and people aren't villains when they do bad things they've just had pain that makes them make choices that then you have to resolve um so perhaps some of the stuff that we look at ourselves and think, that wasn't good. Perhaps we should just be a little bit kinder and just think, yeah, do you know what? That wasn't a good move, but let's go around again. So watch this. It's, it's a really nice spirit that comes off it. And then we're going to end by reminding ourselves that we can always live in the light, regardless of the dark stuff we face. So thank you very much.
Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash QChurchYork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.